Welcome to 10 Minute TechCom. This is Ryan Weber at the University of Alabama in Huntsville, and I'm really excited to introduce you to this episode's guest. I'm Natalie Dunbar. I'm a content strategist at Agile 6. We're a agency that works with government websites to create better digital experiences in civic tech. I've been in this work for probably about 15 years now before there was an actual solid definition of what content strategy is. It's been great to watch the practice grow and become more solid and even to kind of splinter off into other areas. Ms. Dunbar joins us today to talk about the relationship between content strategy and information architecture and how companies can successfully implement both. I hope you enjoy the interview. But before we get to the interview, I wanted to give you one announcement about the show. For years, I've been wanting to get transcripts of this podcast in order to improve the accessibility of the show, and I apologize for lagging so far behind on getting transcripts available. In late 2019, I actually hired a transcriptionist to transcribe the first 50 episodes of the show. My goal was to put these transcripts all up on a fancy new website that would have a lot of more information about the podcast. But uh, I got the transcripts back right about the same time that COVID hit, and so I got delayed on my entire website plan. However, I realized it was silly to have perfectly good transcripts just sitting around where no one could access them. So for the time being, I've put these transcripts in a Google Drive folder that's accessible to anyone. I'm putting the link in the show notes here and also in the program information. So again, this Google folder has transcripts for the first 50 episodes of the show. I hope to get caught up entirely soon so that we have transcripts for everything. Again, I apologize for being so delinquent on getting transcripts together, And since this is my first time using transcripts, if you have any suggestions or feedback for them, please let me know how they can be improved. All right, without further ado, here's the interview with Ms. Dunbar. I'm really excited to have you on the podcast, Natalie. Um, I really am interested in the work that you're doing. And I invited you here to talk about information architecture and content strategy and how they relate. But I think we should probably start just by defining some terms. So can we start by briefly defining information architecture? Yes. So I always give the disclosure that as a content strategist, I've collaborated with IAs, but I wouldn't consider myself one. But of course, I have to understand what it is so that I can collaborate with them in a way that, you know, gets us to the finish line that we're trying to get to. With that said, information architecture is about structural design. It's about the way we arrange the parts of something, as Abby Covert puts it, the way we arrange it to make things understandable and how also we're talking things like labeling, navigation systems, cross-channel ecosystems, and, and things like that. So, you know, think of structure, think of building, we use the term architecture, so think of a, a, a structure and how it's, you know, how the floors are built on top of each other and how you navigate through that space with stairwells and elevators and that kind of thing for wayfinding. Awesome. I like the, you know, making the architecture metaphor, you know, really relying on that to understand information architecture. And then you are a really a content strategist, if I understand at heart. So how would you define content strategy? So content strategy is about planning to provide content, whether you're writing it, curating it, someone else is writing it, the planning for the creation of content that is useful and usable so that you have content that shows up in the right place at the right time for the right user. 
so it's a lot more analysis and planning than it is the actual writing, though there are content strategists that do all the things. They do the planning, the analysis, and the writing. Just depends on the organization where you are. But yes, that's uh, at the root, that's what it is. But when we talk about content, we're not just talking about copy. We're also talking about images, video. It could be decoration. So we're not designing it visually, but we're saying, hey, maybe if we had an icon here to help support this experience rather than words, you know, the actual copy, that might be a better experience for users. So both of these things are kind of like organization-wide practices, right? Yes. In the sense that you, you can't really, like, you can't be like, I'm the content strategy person and no one else has to implement it, right? It's got to be something that an organization kind of implements holistically. Is that right? That is true. There's an understanding among content people in general, strategists or otherwise, that it's a hard ask for to get an organization to think content first. If we're building a digital experience, whether it be a website, an app or whatever, you know, it's usually about the design. The design ends up driving you know, the process. And then at the end, we're trying to cram content in. And what ends up happening is the designs may break because there was no consideration for, say, if you're working in a highly regulated space where you have to have, I don't know, disclaimer content or something like that on a page or a screen, there was no consideration given to that. So all of a sudden you've got broken designs, you know, because that wasn't uh, considered. So content first, um, content strategy tries to plan for those things. So to focus in on, on answering the question that you asked, we want to try to get organizations on board as high up as we can to adapt a content, I've heard it called a center of excellence or you know a content strategy practice, get them on board even with a charter that says, when we create a digital experience, our content will blah, blah, blah. And I've also found it useful to actually list out what the content won't do so that in a situation that I actually had in the real world where someone wanted to keep a search tool that was built in an iframe <laughs> a long, long time ago, but they wanted to keep it on a site that we were working on in 2014 and it, it didn't even work. And there was a fight from literally from the C-suite to keep that because someone's family member had actually created it. It's like, but it doesn't work. Here's what we said about what our content says about us and what our digital experience says about us. So let's agree that we aligned on this a while ago and then let's figure out how we can either salvage part of this experience or, you know, maybe... Maybe we get rid of it. Maybe we archive it, whatever it's going to be. Right. So someone's feelings don't get hurt, but the user's not stuck with this terrible search. Yeah. Exactly. I want to follow up on that because you say you like a list of what your content does. Am I understanding that right? Yeah. You know, the foundational documentation of all content strategists is the inventory and audit. We, we want to do an inventory to find out how much content there is to give, you know, some numbers to it. And you know, this is not just always, you know, how many web pages we have. This could be how many, 
you know, how many screens are there on a mobile app? How many are we in social media spaces, which kind of gets more into content marketing. But when you're trying to get to a unified voice and tone and, and, and messaging, you, you want to know what's out there. You might be auditing YouTube videos or, you know, tweets. I've done that. So you want to get, you want to get an idea of how much is out there. And then you start to do the heavy lifting and the audit to look at what is it what is the current state of the content and how it gets if it gets you to the future state goal that you know your requirements have documented or you know your business goals or your user needs that's where the heavy lifting happens where you can really understand what your content is and how it's performing and how it can be improved or if it needs to be archived um, if it's outdated, if it's trivial or redundant. Once you know that, then you can start making some decisions about, you know, creating new content if it's necessary, but you might be able to repurpose some of what you have. Mm -hmm. So step one is just figuring out what even do we have right now content-wise, presuming you're an existing organization, you know, what do we have? What is it doing? Where are the redundancies? Where are the overlaps? What don't we have? Those kinds of questions. That's absolutely right. Yep. Okay. So we've been kind of talking around this, but let's just get at it directly. So what's the relationship between information architecture and content strategy? So if information architecture is the structure, then content strategy is kind of the things within the structure. How many rooms are there? So that's your quantity, right? And then how are, how are they broken up? And then what's in those rooms? It's the parts that information architecture is arranging. So I, you know, naively used to think information and content were the same thing, but it's kind of not, <laughs> right? I got real straight on that when I, when I first started talking about the two disciplines and actually, you know, working with an IA to understand that, you know, again, we're at that higher level. We're talking about labeling and nomenclature uh, for navigation systems and that kind of thing. And then how that, how those things help with wayfinding to get to the actual parts of the content. So that's, you know, kind of at a very simplistic but high level how they go hand in hand. Information architecture kind of helps you express the content strategy. So you've got, again, the structure, the architecture, and then there's that place, if you imagine a Venn diagram, you've got architecture on, on the left, strategy on the right, there's that overlap in the middle where you're kind of developing them in unison so that not only as you move from paragraph to paragraph or content chunk to content element on a screen or page, but how moving from one part of a digital experience to the next, how they're still unified, right? So I think of, and I'm going back to structures again, it's the, I think it's the Winchester house. And so like it was built upon and expanded in ways that, you know, there's dead ends and that kind of thing. That's what we don't want on a website or digital experience. So yes, it's a, it's a lovely structure from the outside, but once you get inside, there's no rhyme or reason. So that's what we want to avoid is the, the Winchester mansion <laughs> effect 
Yeah, sure. Well, and I, that must happen all the time, right? And that, oh, you build your website, like you said, in 1995, and then you keep adding on, and it's sort of the equivalent of the Winchester Mystery House. Like, oh, there's a staircase to nowhere and a door that opens out, you know, into nothing on the third floor kinds of problems going on. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And, you know, the the homeowner or the person who maybe inherited this, the property wants to, for nostalgic reasons, hold on to a certain structure, but it doesn't make sense. So we have to be able to, at this, you know, at the, at the, at the same time that we're saying that things are not making sense, we also have to show how we can either improve upon the structure, still keep the, the, the integrity of, of the space, but to kind of, you know, hey, if we just put a door over here or label this this way, people will be able to actually get out of this room and see the rest of the beauty that you've created. I don't know. <laughs> right. People can actually use the house. Yeah, because it's fun. I've never been there, but I hear, you know, it's fun to visit the Winchester Mystery House, but you would hate to live there. Or you would hate to try to, you know, find the guest bathroom if you were at a party or something like that. And that's most of our users. That's what they need. Yes, exactly. So how can we put content strategy and information architecture together to improve, you know, websites, products, those kinds of things? So, you know, I, I talk about, you know, tidying up spaces, right? Information spaces. So if you use IA to kind of, you know, again, define the structure and how the pieces are going to be arranged, then you know what you're working with and you know what to bring to those spaces in an organized way. That's pretty much the simplest way I can put it. I mean, you know, there's tons of volumes out there that are, you know, you know, the polar bear book, for example, about information architecture that's like so dense with great information. But if you're, you know, just getting started in these spaces and trying to understand that's the easiest way that I could I could put it because that's how I I came to understanding IEA. It's like, how do I clean up the space? How do I help people get to where I want them to get? So where we talk about content hierarchy on a screen or a page at that level, IEA talks about hierarchy uh, from the structural level. Okay, so IEA might be you know you've talked a lot about architecture and rooms, IA might be sort of like how the rooms are arranged and content strategy might be what goes in them. Is that fair or is that? That's right. That's fair. That's interesting. And you know, one of the things I've been teaching IA for the first time ever this uh, semester, and one of the things that I've kind of slowly realized, and I don't know, I don't think I talk about very much is it seems like both IA and content strategy they make things better for users, but if they're done well, they also make things better for the business too, like make the businesses' lives easier. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, you know, businesses, obviously there's business goals and user needs, and we're always walking the fine line <laughs> between trying to meet the two. But whether it's, I don't know, in a timely way, signing up for a COVID vaccine or being able to find an available appointment, if it's getting someone to subscribe to a newsletter, if it's helping someone navigate to uh, complete a purchase, anything that we can do to get out of the way of the user to help them achieve those tasks will benefit the business in the end. Else, why do we even have 
a website or an app where people can do these things, right? So yes, it's definitely a benefit to the business to be able to kind of declutter spaces and, and help with wayfinding. Great. Well, that's a good place to end it. Where can we um, benefit more from your knowledge? You have a, a LinkedIn and a Twitter, I think. LinkedIn, Natalie M. Dunbar. Twitter I'm and Instagram, I'm at the literati. I have lots of blog posts and articles on clearvoice.com. And uh, I, you know, my hashtag is teach, write, speak. So uh, I'm speaking at uh, Confab coming up in May of this year, 2021. And uh, I'm also speaking at the design and content conference, as it turns out, in July. Yeah. And uh, there is a book forthcoming. It will be out in 2022. And it's all about building uh, sustainable content strategy practices. Again, with the building metaphor, because I'm fascinated by architecture. So why not? Sure. Well, and it's right in the name too. So why not just kind of kind of ride that wave? Awesome. Well, hey, I really enjoyed talking with you about this, Natalie. Thank you. Thank you, Ryan. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it.